your Bible with you. Psalm 92 out of the Amplified, it's something that I really like. It says the uncompromisingly righteous, that's you and me, as children of God, as people who are born again, that's us. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, be long-lived, that's a good report, be long-lived. A short life is not the life that God wants us to live. He wants us to be long-lived. Stately, are you stately? Do you know what stately means? It's not like Idaho or something. Stately, do people look at you and say, wow, look at them. Look at their life. They're impressive. That's what stately means. Stately. You think of stately, you think of a head of state. Am I stately? Said we can be. And you don't do it for a prideful thing. You do it, why? You do it for the glory of God. People look at you and then what's it do? It gives an open doorway so that people can say, hey, what's up with you? Why are you so different? How come, what's the scoop, man? I don't get it. And it gives you an opportunity to share God. Have people ever done that? If they haven't, then I need to find out, well, what's the scoop? Upright. Upright just means you're right. Just be right. Just being right. Useful. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Useful. Am I useful? Am I useful to God? Can God use me? Or, or we could put it this way. Am I usable? Am I usable? Can God use me for what he needs to use me for? This is going to be our focus. And fruitful. Do I produce fruit? They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Majestic. That's you. Majestic. When I look at Isaac, I think majestic all the time. <laughs> stable, I'm stable, I'm not wishy-washy, I'm not up and down, in and out. You know, what's Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever? That's stable. Am I stable? Regardless of what comes, or am I emotional? Do people never, am, am I just a can of worms, you never know what you're going to get with me. Dear Lord, here comes Brother Sean, what are we going to get today? Some days he's happy, some days he's sad. Sometimes he's saucy, sometimes he's sleepy. What's the scoop? What are we going to get today? That is not stability. That is not stability. And that's not the way I need to be. Durable and incorruptible. I'm not easily influenced. I'm not easily pulled away from things I know are upright. Incorruptible means you can't corrupt me. Hey, why don't you do no? Why don't you get involved now? But I love you. Don't you think? No. No, I don't. If you love me, you wouldn't ask me. You know what I'm saying? That's probably more so for the younger audience than Becky and Barry. I'm standing in front of them for some reason. It's kind of it's a little creepy. Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our gods. Planted where? The house of God. What's the house of God? Timothy tells us the house of God's the church. Planted in the church, they flourish. Doesn't say you flourish anywhere else. You flourish planted. Now, there are things that you receive as a Christian when you get born again. There's this vast, the Bible talks about this inheritance, all these great things that we can enjoy. However, we begin to walk in them. It's one thing to have it. It's another thing to live it. We start living it when we're planted in the house of God. Sometimes people will come in for meetings and they'll be frustrated because they're not experiencing what we're teaching. And the answer always goes back 
to being planted. Always. Any meeting we've ever had, any discussion we've ever had with someone who's frustrated with where they are in life, the problem always can be traced back to not being properly planted in a local church. We have people all the time who come bless their hearts. They run into tough spots and they need money and they need help and they'll come up to the church. And usually Donna shifts those people to me, Brother Sean, there's someone in the front office who'd like to speak to you. Well, they're not going to speak to me. They just want to speak to somebody. And what happens, the conversation always comes back to, where's your local church? Well, I don't have one. That's the beginning of the problem. You have to have a local church where you are planted. And when I say planted, I mean invested. What does invested mean? I come to services. But it's not just coming to services. I'm in a life group. That's investing. Investing my time. Investing my anointing. Investing my gifting. Investing my finances. I tithe. If I don't tithe, I'm not planted. See, there are a lot of different things that go. We have, we, we have church fellowships. Now, there are things that come up periodically. I understand that. And we can't make it to everything all the time. However, it is a priority in my life. I guess we could say that. Is church a priority? If it's a priority, then there's going to be um, characteristics of some planting. There's going to be some stability. There's going to be some durability. There's going to be that kind of thing. So back to this passage again. Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14. Growing in grace. Now, that's an interesting thing. Growing in grace. Grace, sometimes people confuse grace and mercy. Mercy is what God gives you when you goof up. Of course, it's always there. His mercies are new every morning. But when you goof up, what do you get? Mercy. That's why we're not dead. Which is a good report. Mercy is a good thing. Right? So mercy is what God shows to us when we make a mistake. And he says, hey, what's it tell us in First John? Confess what you did. I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. We're cool. What's that? That's mercy. Back in the Old Testament, man, people just died from doing stuff. I'm so glad I don't live back then. I'm so glad I don't live back then. People died for doing stuff. Today, it's mercy. God says, hey, you goofed up. That's all right. Let's just work on that. Let's move forward. That's what mercy is. Grace means you're given something you don't deserve. You're gifted. You're given a gift you don't deserve. So that means if you're called maybe to do, well, you're all called to do something. We're all called to do something. The people who are working in the nursery are graced of God to do that. If you've ever not been graced of God to do it and worked back there, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) A grace is a gift that God gives you. It could be teaching could be administration. It could be some special supernatural gift laying on of hands. Like, well, we all lay on the hands, but there's a gift, specifically maybe a gift to kill cancer, a gift to heal bones. Maybe it's a gift to make money. It's a gift to whatever it may be, a gift to greet. There are some people that are greeters at the door, and they're amazing. I mean, they talk to you, you're like, I've known you my whole life. I love you. It's like that dog from the movie Up. Have you ever seen the movie Up? I'm Doug and I love you and I just met you. It's that kind of thing. You're like, how do you make me feel so welcome? I don't even know you. They're graced or gifted of God to do that. You know what I mean? It's just like they got it. They got it. Well, it says here when I'm planted in the house of God, I'll grow in my grace. 
So people are wondering, well, how come I'm not moving forward in my gift? Are you planted? If I'm not planted, I can't grow in my grace. I can't develop, we've heard this, develop your gift or become skillful with your anointing. You heard that before? It's the same thing. It's growing in your gift that you've been given. Am I moving forward in what God's put in my life? They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap. Not full of bull, full of sap. Of spiritual vitality. There's a great word. Use that one today. And rich in the verdure of trust, love, and contentment. They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Uh, We said this a few weeks ago. If I'm witnessing to an individual, I need to have something they want. So if they look at my life and my life's a train wreck, that's not a memorial to God. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have issues. All of you have issues. All of you do. I have issues. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. Someone said, no. Yes, I do. Be quiet, Garing section. My family sits over there. They like to chime in during times such as these. Um, we all have issues that we're working through, and God helps us work through them. There's, listen, if there's one thing you notice in the Bible, God used broken people. They were a mess, man, but God used them. Why? Because God's not looking for perfection. God's looking for somebody who wants to. To help, God's looking for somebody who has availability. God's looking for somebody who has a right heart. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but he wants to use them. Amen. So today, the title of our message is Being Usable. Being Usable. Being planted in a church will make you usable. Being um, somewhat planted is going to cut back on what you can do. If we look at the definition out of the Webster's 1828 Dictionary for being useful or usable, it means producing or having power or ability to produce good. That's being graced. Having the ability to produce good, that's being graced to do something. Beneficial, profitable. Helpful toward advancing any purpose. The purpose we're talking about today is God's plan. Helpful towards advancing any purpose as vessels and instruments useful in a family. We're a part of a family, not just the body of Christ as a whole, but a local church family. From what we just read, it says when you're rooted and grounded, you're useful. It says you'll grow in your grace. And the definition of useful says as vessels and instruments useful in a family. Am I useful in a family? Am I useful to this family? If I'm rooted and grounded, I'll be useful. There's something I bring that's important. There's something I bring that's valuable. It doesn't mean that you're more important than anybody else. It just means you're growing in your grace. You don't deserve it. You really don't. You don't deserve it. It's kind of of like, you remember back when you were in high school? And some of the most popular people were the good-looking people. You remember that? The really good-looking people were the popular people. Let me ask you something. What did they do to get that? I mean, really, it's like congratulations on your face. (laughs) What did they do to get that? Nothing. 
But people put them on such a pedestal because of the way they look. But they didn't do anything to do that. Character wasn't highlighted. Image was highlighted. You think about high school, it's all about image, not substance. He's very good looking, but he's very unfaithful. But you still promote him. Why? He looks so good and he's got a washboard stomach and he's, oh my lands, he's just dreamy, Miss Arlene. <laughs> well, they didn't do anything. Well, guess what? You didn't do anything to get graced. It ain't about you. People take their gift, they're great. You have people who are wonderful singers. You're graced with that. Look at me. Watch me. I'm going to perform. Behold me. Well, what happens? Well, a person who doesn't get that fixed begins to fail in God's plan for their lives. He can't trust them to promote them. See, it's like having children. I have three children. Pickle, Sam, and Bean. It's their nicknames, but that's how I know them. And there are certain things over the years we will not allow them to do because they just can't handle it. It's not because we're holding back from them. It's not because we don't want them to enjoy it. It's not because we hate them. We just understand. If we give you too much too quick, you're going you're gonna to have a problem. You're going to tear something up. You're going to destroy something. And God has all of this. Well, let's look at this. Look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I love this verse. Jeremiah 29, even the message. You probably don't have the message, so look up here. It says, I know what I'm doing. This is God speaking to us. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. God wants to give you the future you have always hoped for. It's connected to his will for your life. It's connected to your grace and you walking in your grace. Why maybe am I not at the place where I have the future I've always hoped for? I'm not ready for it. I haven't grown enough in my grace. I haven't planted firmly enough to see that show up. You know, when I was going to college, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. I want to teach social studies, history, geography, psychology, sociology, some of the best subjects known to man. <laughs> of course, my family's like, <laughs> I wanted to do that and I wanted to coach wrestling because wrestling is God's sport. So, <laughs> so I wanted to do that and I thought I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to teach. I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. I'm going to coach for 25 years and we're going to win a bunch of state championships and then we're going to retire and it's going to be awesome. To me, and for about nine years, I did that. I coached and I taught and had a blast. Had a really good time. I liked it. It was fun. But what happened as I started to get more serious about God or as I started to get planted, getting more serious about God and about the local church, that's the same thing as being planted. I began to realize, you know, there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. What happened? He started to say, okay, now you can handle a little bit more. You, you've actually shown you got some sense because when I was young, I didn't have a lick of sense. And he said, all right, I'm going to open up a window and let you see, here, here's, or open a door. Here's a little more of what I've got available for you. And they begin to realize I'm called to be like a pulpit minister, like talking in front of people. I hated talking in front of people. I didn't like it. I'd get real nervous every year at the beginning of the year talking in front of the kids. I'd get so nervous. Of course, you got a room full of high schoolers. You know, they're squirrely dogs anyway. God bless you high schoolers. I love you, but you are squirrely dogs. And listen, if you told me, <laughs> if you told me when I was 20 years old, 
You are called to be a teacher of the Word of God and, here's the fun part, an administrator. <laughs> you get to administrate a church and a ministry, so you get to deal with forms and emails and organizing things. Ooh, you know, what teenager doesn't love that? <laughs> but, but I have to say, it's the future I always hoped for. I love it. I love it. I love my life. Love it. I do. And, and I know years from now, there's stuff I don't know now that'll come, and I'll love that even more. So you may think, well, listen, what's the future you hope for? What's the future you hope for? So, some people, we were talking to a guy earlier this week, and he's like 20, 20-something years old, 30 years old. And, you know, you can, you can be that age and you can start looking around you and think, well, I need to be here, I need to be there, I need to be here, I need to be there. Listen, what if you live till you're 90? You're 30. You've got 60 years left, man. What's 30 compared to 90? Quit thinking about where you don't think you are and think about where you can be if you start right now. If you start right now. Listen, when you're 20, you think 40 is almost dead. It's not, here I am, coming up on 50 really, really fast. But there's a lot more to be lived. And life, when you're planted, just gets better and better and better. And you look back and you're like, I really didn't know it could be like this. And if you're not there, why? What's the future you hope for? He said, I'll give you the future you've always hoped for. What is the future I hope for? What's in it? What's in it? What house is in it? What health is in it? What peace is in it? What joy is in it? What about a spouse? What, what do I want my kids to be like? You know, now there's a devil. And he don't want you to have it, but God does. He said, I've got this hope for you, this plan, and it'll give you what you've always hoped for in life. Listen, very easy theology lesson. If it's good, it's from God. If it's bad, it's from the devil. It's really pretty simple. It's really pretty simple. In God's plan, he doesn't have sickness, disease, any of those types of things. So let's do this with our remaining time. We're going to look at five things, five things that will help me be usable. Five, just five. Five things that will help me to be usable. The first of which... And I'm, I switched these up on you, ladies. I gave them my notes, and now we changed it right before service. They love when we do stuff like this. The first one, if you look in Jeremiah chapter 3, Jeremiah chapter 3, and up here on the screen, it reads, turn, O backsliding children. I love this passage. Backsliding's a bad deal. And it says, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Zion, of course, is representative of the church. Now, here's the thing to understand. If I am planted in the house of God or planted in the church, that means I'm automatically planted under a pastor. It is impossible to have a church without a pastor. If you don't have a pastor, then you just have a church club. It's not a church. Because the key ingredient to having a church is having a pastor. Because a flock has to be shepherded. 
So when we look here at verse 15, it says, and I will give you pastors according to my heart. No, notice that. He said, I'll give you pastors I want you to have, not necessarily of your choosing. Some people want to go to a church because it's the big church, or it's the church with the cool praise and worship, or it's the church without all the old people, or it's the church with the, 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 the connections, business, or it's the young church, or whatever. No, God says, I'll give you pastors according to my heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Step number one to being usable, you have to be fed with knowledge and understanding. That's the first step. Because verse 16 says, then when you be multiplied and increase in the land. So verse 14 says, hey, you're backsliders. Backsliders don't increase. Backsliding just means you know the right thing to do, but you keep not doing it, and then you feel guilty about it, then your faith doesn't work, then you have issues. But what's the difference between backsliding and being flourishing? Having a pastor who feeds you with knowledge and understanding. So what's it mean? Like this morning, maybe you're new to church. And you're, 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 you're sitting back there and you're watching and Pastor Lauren starts shaking and crying. And you're like, for crying out loud, what's wrong with her? And then she lays hands on people and they start falling down. And you're like, dear Lord, what have we gotten ourselves into? And then you start hearing people praying in tongues and you're like, these people are drunk. Goodness sakes alive, what's going on? See, a lot of you have been around that for years, but some people don't have a clue. Remember what it was like the first time you went to a Pentecostal church? I do. We, we, we were Catholic. And we had a 45-minute service. And then we went to this Pentecostal church in the first service, like three hours. And I said, this cannot be God. <laughs> I said, Mom and Dad missed it. This ain't God. We've gone in and people falling down, people shaking. They're speaking in crazy languages. This is not God. Some woman screaming, ran. I don't know what's wrong with her. This is not God. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought. Because the way I had been raised, I'd never seen anything. I never, I never knew that was right. I never knew. I mean, you do that in the Catholic Church, you got problems. I mean, Sister Marie, Sister Marie is my third grade teacher, and then she was my fifth grade teacher again. It's, it's interesting. I don't know why, but twice in my elementary career, I, I had the same teacher two times. I had Miss Dowden for first and second grade. She was really strict. And then I had Sister Marie for third and fifth grade, and she was really strict. And in between them, I had Sister Marie Constance, who was really, really, yeah, she like banged a kid's head off the blackboard <laughs> in fourth grade, and we thought, we're all going to die today. We are all going to die. Of course, he, he wrote an inappropriate word doing penmanship on the board, so I could understand. But anyway, but, but you know, hey, if, if Sister Marie, man, I mean, we had, we had, we had a, somebody in the, in the class had an issue without using deodorant. She went around and made everybody lift both arms and sniffed every armpit in the class. And I was in third grade, so I didn't even understand deodorant. And I'm like, I hope it's not me because I don't know what on earth is going to happen. So, you know, you just didn't run and scream and do stuff like that at the Catholic Church because Sister Marie is there, and man, she just, she didn't care if you're 50, man. She'd whack you with that ruler, and it's over. I didn't know. I just didn't know. And then what happened, then I, then I started paying attention, and I started getting planted. And I started being fed by a shepherd. And I started to get some knowledge of some things and some understanding of some things. Why'd these people shake up here today? Well, God's anointing can come on someone and they just respond in different ways. Well, a lot of times they call the anointing God's power. So think of it this way. If I lick my finger and stick it in that socket, is my body going to react? Yep. Well, what if Brother 
John Daniel right here does the same thing. Is his body going to react? Is it going to react the same way? No. So in a service, when God's power comes on somebody, sometimes they fall down. Sometimes they shake. Sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they cry because different people respond different ways to God's power. Well, what's up with the pastor pushing everybody down? I mean, it, this is a violent church you people go to. You Pentecostals are violent. Well, the Bible says you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So what's happened? She's laying hands. She's ministering to people. Well, what's the falling down stuff? Well, in the Bible, it says when God's power came into the temple, people fell. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus spoke, they said, well, who's this Jesus? He said, I am. The guy he sp spoke to fell out. What was that? That was God's power coming into someone and they fell. So it's not a matter of somebody pushing somebody down. It's not like a mosh pit ministry or anything. It's just how people respond and react to the word of God and the power of God. So what happened? That's some knowledge and understanding. Okay, now I understand why that happens. But you don't know until you're fed. You just don't know until you're fed. You just don't know. You know, yeah, I went to a church and the pastor was in the bathroom and she said two angels showed up. That's inappropriate. You mean angels show up in people's bathrooms? I guess they do. But the Bible has all kinds of accounts of angels showing up and helping people to minister and ministering to people and being sent by people and coming to people and visiting people. Yes, even in bathrooms. Well, I never knew the Bible said that. It does. What is that? Being fed with knowledge and understanding. See, there's a lot of things I just don't know if I'm not planted. Well, that's all right. We don't need to go to church. Got a big sport event. We don't need to go. You're missing something. You miss an opportunity to be fed with knowledge and understanding. Amen. So being planted, the number one thing that will happen is you'll get knowledge and understanding. One thing you'll get knowledge and understanding of is God's plan for your life. So you begin to walk in more of it. So what do you end up getting to that end you've always hoped for? Some people say, I was used, and they often use it in a negative way. This is a good way to be used, yes, sir. to be usable by God. Amen? So the first thing, you have that, you have being fed with knowledge and understanding. The second thing comes out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, and um, this one is having your faith fixed. Having your faith fixed. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says, We continue to pray night and day most earnestly that we may see you face to face. How do you see someone face to face? You got to be in the presence. See, there are some things that God can give you driving your car while you're in the bathroom by yourself, while you're on the school bus, while you're whatever, but there are other things you cannot get without being there. You have to be there to get it. And the more you're not there to get it, the less you're getting it. Now, people can do whatever they want. People can be as faithful or unfaithful to a church as they choose. That's certainly their decision. But I have to realize, every single time I miss, I'm not getting this. Every single time. Now, are there legitimate reasons to miss church? Sure, if you're not feeling well and you're contagious, you know, Get a prayer cloth. Well, the Lord's healed me. Your nose is snotty. Get a prayer cloth. 
I love when people bring their kids and drop them off in the preschool and the nursery. Now, they usually don't do it with the first kid. You know what I mean? First kid parents are like, well, I just don't know if I want to put them back there. The second kid, dear Lord, open the door. We, we, you know, we want your kid after that healing manifests, not when they're still sneezing all over everybody else. So face to face, I got to see you for this, Paul was saying. And then what's he say he's got to see him for? And may complete whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. When you come to church, your faith gets fixed. Or I like this translation, another translation of this passage. It says, night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. Are you missing some stuff? Are there some holes in your life? Are there some gaps? Are there some areas that you'd like to have filled with something you want happening in your life? You're at church. You're at the right place to get it. Well, Brother Sean, but I came to service and the pastor's ministering on this and that and the other. And when's he going to get to what I need? Well, listen, it's not just a matter of what's being fed. It's a matter of what you receive spiritually as well, which is one of the next things we'll talk about. But we see here that when I come to church, when I am face to face, when I am receiving face to face, my faith is being fixed. So what's the big deal about my faith? Well, faith just means believing God, believing what God says. When you worry, you believe what the devil says. When you're in faith, you believe what God says. It's just really that simple. So if I believe what God, well, if I have knowledge and understanding, then I know what the Bible says. If I have faith, then I can believe what the Bible says. And that's when it shows up in my life. And that comes, if you notice, that comes from being planted. The first one said, a shepherd will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That happens at church. Paul said, night and day praying exceedingly, we may see your face. To perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Well, face to face, that means I got to be at church. Right? Doesn't mean you can't get things away from church, but these are things you have to be there to get. You have to be there to get. The next one, number three, spiritual equipment. You receive spiritual equipment when you are planted. And this Romans chapter one is what we'll look at there. So the first one was being fed. The second one, your faith is fixed. The third one, spiritual equipment. For I long to see you that I might impart unto you some gift so that you may be established. Notice, I have to see you for this to happen. What's an impartation? You know, we just assume everybody knows what an impartation is. Like this morning, Pastor Lauren's praying for people. Well, there are times that God, that maybe you need something in your life. Well, God gets that to you when someone else prays for you. I call it spiritual equipment. You know, who in here works? Hopefully many of you. Yeah. Brother Chad, what's your job? Just pick one. <laughs> Remodeling. Remodeling homes, I assume. What equipment you need? All of them. Well, thanks, Chad. Could you clarify a little bit? <laughs> a hammer, a ladder, a drill. What's that? That's equipment for your natural job. For your natural, spiritually, spiritual, you got a spiritual job, you got a spiritual calling. There's equipment for that too that's spiritual. That's what comes when you get an impartation, the spiritual equipment to walk in God's plan for your life so that you have the end you've always hoped for. That's what an impartation, how's an impartation come? Just talking like this, 
laying on of hands, prayer, reading, studying your Bible. There are different ways that those things come. But Paul said, this one you can only get when I see you. Some impartation, some spiritual equipment you can't get without being there. So guess what? That end you've always hoped for will be something you always hoped for, but you never saw it. You have to be there and be planted. Amen? I'm going to turn my page. The next one is community, and it's Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles. Now, remember in Psalm 92, we just read it says we grow in grace. Well, here's one of the things people are grace to do. Grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. We're all called to the ministry in some way. It doesn't mean we're all in the pulpit. But there is something all of us are called to do. Yesterday we came to church and there were people working in the back in the yard cell. They're graced to do that kind of thing. We had people out on lawnmowers who were mowing the yard. They're graced to do that kind of thing. I got, I got Micah's phone. He set his phone down in the um, garage yesterday when we stopped by and he was out mowing. So I changed his, um, I changed his um, lock screen and his background to a beautiful, stunning image of my face. It was awesome. Brought that young boy to tears, it did. <laughs> Didn't it, Micah? That is the correct response. <laughs> so, and their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Verse 13. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness and faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Our next verse, 14. And then our maturity will end. Our immaturity, sorry, will end. You can never become spiritually mature until you're planted. You can't become spiritually mature until you're planted. Well, I go to all the big conferences. You're not planted, though. I, I go to all these big churches when they have these big-name ministers come, but you're not planted. Maturity only comes with being planted. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. Verse 15. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. Now, here's, I, I, I talked about the fivefold ministry earlier just so you see that it's a part of being planted. But here's what we're getting into when we're talking about community. When we're talking about community, when you're planted in a local church, it's not just about receiving from your pastor. It's also about receiving from everyone around you. Yes, 
You look around in the church this morning, we have maybe a couple hundred people in here. Those people helping you can help you get to a place you could never get by yourself. But when you decide not to come, you've become an island unto yourself, so then it's all about you and God. But see, God says, but wait, wait, wait. I've put in people around you what you need. Yeah, that's good. I, I, yeah God, God says, I've got this for you, but I've got it for you in Marcia. Or I've got it for you in Brianna. Or I've got it for you in Justin. Or I've got it for you in Kim. I've got it for you, but I put it in them for you because you're supposed to be connected. What's this say? As one. And as a result, that gets passed back and forth. That gets imparted one to another. One of the ways impartations takes place, casual conversation. You ever notice how people who hang out together quite a bit start being a lot alike? That's impartation. Birds of a feather flock together. That's, that's not in the Bible, but it's a biblical principle. It's that impartation. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. You've been graced with a gift for someone else. How do you grow in that grace? We read it in Psalm 92. You're planted. You're planted. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, you are built up and made perfect in love. A couple weeks ago, we talked about rooted in love. Yep. If I'm not planted, I'll never be rooted in love. So those are the five things. I actually got the numbers wrong. You have fed with knowledge and understanding. That's actually two. Knowledge and understanding. You have spiritual equipment. You have your faith being fixed. And then right here, you have community. Those are the five. Spiritual equipment, fed with knowledge and understanding, community. And which one did I miss? Faith fixed. When you're planted, if you notice, every single one of those comes in community. It doesn't come by yourself. You can't get those things without being planted. You, you can't. You can't. Listen, for you to fulfill that plan God has for you, for you to fulfill and get to the end you've always hoped for, that's connected to God's plan for your life. And you're going to need the spiritual equipment to do that. You're going to need your faith to be fixed to do that. You're going to need to be fed with knowledge and understanding to do that. And you have to have community of people around you to help you, to impart into you, to give you some knowledge and understanding to develop, to grow your grace so that you can move forward in that plan and get to that plan that you've always hoped for. And listen, that plan that you've always hoped for, it doesn't just help you, it helps everybody else. I can't be selfishly trying to pursue what I want. It's, hey, I want to do God's will, and as I do God's will, it's awesome. And then it helps so many other people because we see right here in Ephesians chapter 4, we're one. So your success helps other people. But the key to your being usable, you may be asking, well, how come God doesn't use me on my planet? If you're always asking, why doesn't God use me? Am I planted? Are you in a life group? When you're in a life group, do you go? There have been times I've had kids in our house who didn't want to go to a life group. You know what happened? I'll give you a guess. I'm going to take a guess, but you're going to get it right. What do you think happened? Oh, yeah, they went. No, that's not an option. But you don't know. Now, I haven't heard this. But I, well, I just don't know if they like me very much. That's all right. Sometimes I don't like you either. But you're still in the family. <laughs> you still have to go. 
well, I just don't feel this or I don't feel that. I'm unmoved by what you feel. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Right is right. Planted is planted. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter what I think. Planted. Planted means invested. Planted means I'm serious about it. If you got, you got people that are serious about their golf game, boy, they're at the driving range practicing. You got people who are serious about, I don't know what people are serious about. Whatever they're serious about. They're just serious about it. They're doing it. They're focused on it. When I'm serious about church, I'm focused on it, which means what? I'm there. When you're there, it's a demonstration that you're planted. Now listen, when I say you're fed with knowledge and understanding by a pastor, that doesn't mean you sit in a service and you hear it and you got it. No, I mean you take that home and you dig into that. You make that your Bible study for the week. What's that help you get? More planted. And as you're more planted, you're more what? You're more usable. And as you're more usable, what do you see? That end you've always hoped for. It's what you see. It's what you get to experience. It's what you get to enjoy. Don't be jealous of someone else who did the work you refused to do. Don't be jealous of someone else who came and was invested and committed themselves when you were unwilling to. And they get to the end of their life and they're still bringing forth fruit and producing and strong and stable. And at the end of your life, you're just trying to hold it together. That's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. But I have to understand, even though God has all these wonderful things, the decisions I make along the way, that does affect what I'm able to experience in life. So that's what you get when you're planted. You get the proper spiritual equipment. You get your faith fixed. You get fed with knowledge and understanding. And you have a whole community of believers who are willing to help you. When you're not planted, you don't get that. Please be planted. Please be planted. God's for you. We're for you. We love you. But you have to come and be involved. Amen. Pastor Lauren, anything to add, ma'am? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to minister your word. We thank you for not only the knowledge and understanding that we received, but we thank you for the impartation spiritually that came today. And we thank you, Father, for helping show us a way that we can become more planted, more firmly rooted and grounded in the local church, and well, just in what you're doing. We thank you for it. We thank you for the angels that go with us to guard us and protect us as we head to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. See you um, summer youth camp leader people tonight at 5 o'clock. We'll have cookies and soda pop because they're so healthy for you. And don't forget um, Bible Adventure Week change offering. And first Tuesday is this Tuesday with Dr. Jacobs. You don't want to miss it.